So we're in our Advent series, and uh, I guess this time of year, the big question is, are you done with your Christmas shopping yet? Um, and sometimes it's really hard to shop for people who, um, you know, sometimes if, if you're like me, you have a couple people in your family who seem to have everything, and it's like, so how do I shop for that person? What can I get them that they don't already have? I remember as a kid, I got socks for Christmas like every single year, and uh, as an adult, even uh, most Christmases, I still get socks. Um, it's not the only thing I got then, it's still not the only thing that I get, but uh, it's something that I need, and, uh, and so it's okay. If you're ever in doubt about a gift for someone, socks are a really good idea. They come in <laughs> a variety of patterns and materials and sizes, so go for that. Uh, we as a church collect socks and underwear for the Salvation Army, and um, it's one thing that they always need, and they've told us time and time again, we always need socks and underwear. Uh, and I do find it interesting that whether we're buying a gift for a friend or family member who has everything or a complete stranger who has nothing, uh, we all need the same things. We all have the same needs. So as we continue our Advent series, we're going to see how God provided a gift uh, to all of us that we, every man, woman, and child, desperately need. Uh, a gift of such high value that it has no equal, not to protect our feet from cold or blisters, uh, but to protect our very souls from God's own wrath. Let's pray. Father God, as we open your word this morning, I pray that it would be illuminated unto our hearts that we would be so, so humbled by the good news that Christ came down and lived on this earth among us to die for us. And uh, so please help us, Lord, to understand your word better, to grow closer to you. Uh, please protect us uh, from false teaching. Please uh, forbid me and stop my tongue if uh, anything comes to mind or comes to my heart that might uh, rob you of your glory. Please help us only to hear your truth for the edification of the saints and for the glorification of our almighty God. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, last week, Aaron started us off uh, in Luke chapter 1. We went through verses 26 through 38, which is traditionally referred to as the Annunciation. Uh, we heard how the angel Gabriel came to Mary and announced that she would bear a child who is the Messiah. Today, we will read verses 39 through 56 in chapter 1 of Luke, which is known as the visitation. God's word says, In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, 
For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. As we study these verses today, I want to highlight three truths about God that are present here in this section of text. Uh, The first one is that God is a God of miracles. The second one is we all need salvation and that God provides that salvation. The third point, God is faithful. God is a God of miracles. We all need salvation. God provides the salvation. And God is faithful. So point one, God is a God of miracles. And... uh, Our first verse there, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. So we left off last week. Mary just got the proclamation from Gabriel that she was going to have this baby. And the very next thing she does is she makes haste to her relative's house uh, in uh, in a town in the hill country of Judah. Uh, Mary quickly travels south from Nazareth. Uh, It's about 80 to 100 miles. And she would have had to uh, cut east to avoid Samaria because they don't go near Samaria. And uh, so anyway, this journey, uh, we don't know whether she was on foot or this was like a regular caravan that may have just on a trade route gone back and forth between the two cities. Uh, Depending on her mode of travel, it would have been three to five days that it took her to get Uh, to her relative's house. Our text doesn't tell us why she went. Uh, Gabriel didn't even tell her to go. He just announced she's going to have a baby, Elizabeth's having a baby, and the next thing Mary does is she makes haste to go see Elizabeth. Um, So why would she have gone there? Uh, Perhaps confirmation of her experience she just had this, uh, this angel come to her, and the angel told her, not only uh, is something happening to you, something's happening to Elizabeth. So this would have been uh, a comfort to her to go and find out that it's true and these things are really happening to her. Uh, perhaps for protection, uh, Elizabeth um, and Zechariah are her older relatives. Uh, she goes to their house. Um, possibly because here she is, a young woman who is betrothed but not wed, and so going to her older relative Zechariah's house may have been just by means of protection from the penalty of law for being uh, pregnant and unwed. Um, We don't know exactly what her motivation was, but we know she went. Uh, Verse 40 says, And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Uh, They live pretty far away from each other, so they may not have been super close, uh, but Zechariah and Elizabeth live pretty close to Jerusalem, and so I'm sure that going uh, to 
the city for Jewish holidays. They most likely would have stayed at that house since they're relatives. So they're not unfamiliar with each other. Obviously, she knows how to get to her house. But she most likely would have walked in with something like a formal greeting, uh, possibly shalom aleichem, which in Hebrew means peace be upon you. So she walks in, she says hi, and verse 41, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Um, I don't know anybody who's ever said uh, the baby leaped in my womb. I mean, we have three children. Uh, a lot of you are, are mothers, and, and I've never heard any of y'all say that. So uh, it's probably a very different feeling uh, I remember when Brandy was pregnant with our firstborn, Penelope, and we both uh, were employed. And so when we'd come home uh, after our jobs at the end of the day, and we'd start talking, and Brandy would be like, oh, um, she's been still all day, and now that we're talking, she's reacting to your voice. And that was just kind of a really cool thing to experience because uh, we both did and still do work around a lot of people. So obviously there were voices all day, but she responded to mine. So I was like, cool, she loves daddy, you know, obviously. That's my conclusion. Um, but that's a normal thing that happens uh, to a woman who's pregnant. The babies will respond to voices. Um, now Elizabeth is six months along in her pregnancy uh, there's something that happens to women um, between the second and into uh, the third trimester called uh, Braxton Hicks, which are false contractions. And doctors say that's the body like prepping to give birth, and apparently those are uncomfortable as well. But this seems to be something much more than that. Uh, if you look at Luke 1, verse 15, the second half of that verse says, and this is, this is the angel Gabriel telling Zechariah about this baby John that he's about to have. And one of the things that he says is, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So we know that John inside his mother is already filled with the Holy Spirit and he leaps. Now, leaping is a total body movement. When you leap up off the ground, which I will not demonstrate for you, uh, it's, a, it's a whole body movement. So that's not a, a, a kick or a punch or an elbow nudge or anything like that. It's, it's much more, this must have been a very powerful feeling uh, for Elizabeth, so powerful that she exclaimed with a loud cry, as it says in our next verse, it says, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. Um, now, Elizabeth is having a miracle baby of her own. Uh, she was considered barren. She's uh, of an age where she would not be expected to become pregnant, and she basically had given up hope of being a mother, and now she's having a, a miraculous baby herself. But Mary, Mary's having the baby. Mary is pregnant with the Redeemer, the Promised One, uh, from so many years ago. And uh, Elizabeth is looking at her, filled with the Holy Spirit, and she's not jealous. Uh, she's having her own baby. It's not a jealousy at all. She's looking at her, and in awe, she says, Oh, Mary, blessed are you among women. And she truly was blessed. And she continues, Elizabeth says, And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Elizabeth knows uh, 
who is in Mary's womb. She just was filled with the Holy Spirit. This information rushed into her brain and spewed out of her mouth at the same time immediately. And she knows that she is in the presence of the Christ child and she does not deserve it. She's fully aware of that. Uh, She understands the constant problem of sin. Her husband is a priest. And uh, so her husband as a priest, most likely, I'm sure that when he returns from his tour of duty, Uh, up at the temple, he is probably utterly exhausted. All the animal sacrifices that they go through, constantly pouring out blood for the constant sins, the same sins of the same people continually, it must have been an exhausting task. She understands that. And now filled with the Holy Spirit, she knows the Lord's salvation is here. Although in utero, She's standing in his presence, and she is like, I don't deserve this. Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She knows she doesn't deserve to stand in his presence, and we also do not deserve to stand in the presence of Almighty God. But the blessing of this child, the same Jesus who is in Mary's womb in this story, is the same Jesus who hung on a cross and died for our sins and made the whole thing possible. So at this point, I mean, Mary just walked in the door and said hi, and all of a sudden, there's all this utterance coming from Elizabeth. She didn't tell Elizabeth, hey, I'm pregnant. Hey, an angel came to me. Hey, I know you're pregnant. She didn't tell her anything except hello, and probably at this point, Mary's looking at Elizabeth like, what? Like, how do you know this? So Elizabeth offers an explanation. Um, But for her explanation, I want us to get a little bit more background. So if we can look at uh, Luke 1, verses 18 through 20. And what this is, is uh, going back to Gabriel coming to Zechariah and explaining the whole thing. Um, So Gabriel had come. We're not going to read the whole thing before verse 18, but I'll just catch us up. Uh, Zechariah is in the temple. He's in the innermost room. And, and an angel appears to him, and this is what Zechariah has to say after he gets all this information about baby John, who him and his wife are going to have. Uh, Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife has advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. Hold on, we missed something. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. So that was his interaction with Gabriel. Now let's contrast that with Mary's interaction with Gabriel. Let's look at verse 34. Gabriel gives Mary the whole lowdown on what's about to happen to her. And in verse 34, Mary says, uh, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? So, um, very different reactions. But here's Elizabeth's explanation back to Mary when Mary's kind of surprised at all these things she's saying. Verse 44, uh, Elizabeth says, for behold, When the sound of your greeting came to my ears and the baby in my womb leaped for joy, 
And blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So it is kind of irony that uh, it's Mary's voice that Elizabeth hears, which causes this chain reaction with John leaping and the Holy Spirit filling her and then all the prophecy that she starts to, to speak. Um, it's, it's ironic because of what happened to, to Zechariah when he was in the temple. Uh, here he is in the Holy of Holies uh, performing his priestly task, and uh, he uh, would have had a tether tied to his ankle should he die inside the temple, uh, and they would drag him out if he offended God in some way uh, that they would pull him out. So there obviously was some knowledge and real faith that this is a very holy place, and I'd better... Uh, I better do this right. Uh, so he knows that. And then when he's there in the one place in the whole world, he might expect something miraculous to happen. He gets an angel giving him all this news. And what does he do? He asks for a sign. He says, how shall I know this? So instead of reacting in faith, he says, how do I even know you're telling me the truth? Give me a sign. Gabriel's like, okay, here's your sign. Uh, now you can't speak. Boom, there's his sign. Um, and, and it is believed that he probably was also stricken deaf. If you fast forward it to verse 62, when they have the baby, uh, it says they made signs to him to find out what he wanted to name the baby, uh, which would indicate that he was stricken deaf as well. So again, that's just such irony that it's the voice of Mary that tells Elizabeth, oh, you believed what the Lord had brought to you. And uh, so just an amazing reaction. Mary, she gets this, the, the news uh, from the same visitor who informed her that an equally, if not more, impossible event would happen to her. And she really says, okay, God, how are you going to do it? I'm in. Let's do this. She doesn't say how. Uh, she doesn't say, well, do I even know you're telling the truth? She's like, okay. How are you going to do it? I'm a virgin, but, but she's all in. She responds in faith. Uh, miracle after miracle leading up to the birth of this child. God is a God of miracles. You see it in, in all of this text, uh, which brings us to our uh, second point. Uh, we all need salvation, and God provides that salvation. So now we get to hear from Mary in verse 46. Um, verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Salvation comes from the Lord. Uh, Psalm 62.1 echoes this, uh, where David writes, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Uh, Mary needed salvation just like the rest of us, and she said so. She said, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Uh, in 1854, Pope Pius IX declared Mary sinless and also born of immaculate conception. This uh, the Catholic Church still confirms this false doctrine today. Um, 
See, Jesus was constantly persecuted by the Jewish leaders for associating with sinners, tax collectors and prostitutes and the like. Uh, He doesn't need us to bail him out on this issue of associating with sinners, uh, Mary included. Uh, John 3.16 tells us, uh, For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him should not die but should live forever. And then John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He dwelt among us. He wasn't surprised when he showed up and the world was full of sinners. He knew the whole deal coming in. So uh, no surprise there. Uh, the, ha- the Heidelberg Catechism, I actually have one here. Um, this is kind of a neat copy of it. This is uh, just a, a book of, of doctrines uh, from the historical Protestant church that we, we affirm here at Mission. Um, and it's, it's great for passing on doctrine to uh, to people who are new to the faith or children. And uh, so one of the doctrines in there addresses this issue of Christ being among us and being among sinners. Uh, the question, it's a Q&A thing. The question is, Christ not with us even unto the end of the world as he has promised? And the answer to that question is given. Christ is true man and true God. According to his human nature, he is now not on earth, but according to his Godhead, majesty, grace, and spirit. He is at no time absent from us. We know we're still sinners. He's at no time absent from us. Um, We all needed that Savior, uh, just like Mary did. Uh, Mary did receive her salvation from the Lord in a very special way. No doubt about that. This shouldn't be overlooked. Mary's special, uh, and that is, uh, it really isn't her fault that there are all these false teachings about her. She's a saint. She was saved. Uh, We also, who were saved, are called saints. And um, she's our sister in Christ. Uh, And yes, her response to Gabriel's message was absolutely amazing. Um, But she and we needed salvation, salvation that only God could provide. Point number three in this text, uh, God is faithful. God is faithful. Some of you don't know this about me. I'm an Air Force veteran, and I spent 10 years in the Air Force. My first five, I was in a career field called security forces. And uh, as you move up in the ranks, you get more uh, responsibility, and you get more training on how to carry out missions that are given to you. Um, we would go for uh, just all kinds of different schools and stuff. And, and one of the things that they taught us how to do is how to prepare something called an op order or an operations order. Basically, uh, the, the biggest part of that is uh, we, we do what's called a reverse timeline. And so we start off in the planning phase uh, with mission complete, and we work backwards to go time to prep ourselves to meet that objective, to build out the timeline. And uh, Mary's, Mary's next uh, uh, verses that she speaks here they, they, interestingly enough, they kind of read uh, like a reverse timeline, which I kind of find fascinating. Um, but she's speaking in present tense. So she's, uh, in verse 50 through 55, which we'll go through in a second, she's speaking in present tense as if the task has already been completed. And that just echoes her faith in God that, that what he said he was going to do, uh, if he says it, it's as good as done. Uh, 
but uh, it just, I just like that present tense there, uh, which uh, even uh, reminds you of Christ on the cross when, you know, he died, and right before he took his last breath, he said, it is finished. And we know that there was more, there's more about Jesus uh, after he was buried and resurrected and ascended. So, but, but because it was, it was in motion, it was as good as done. And uh, so verse 50 here, uh, Mary says, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And so that really, uh, when I read that, it kind of feels like Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, where uh, Christ gives what we call the Great Commission. And he tells them to go, therefore, and, and baptize uh, to all nations, proclaiming the gospel. And the last part of, of verse 20, he says, I am with you even till the end of the age, which implies that this thing's going to go on for a little while. So Mary's telling us that his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. It's going to keep going for a while. And then uh, verse 51, where it says, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Uh, Continuing in 52, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Uh, Like so many of the Psalms of David, uh, this reads in that same tone where David would pray for God to smite his enemies, and then he would thank God for smiting his enemies. It just kind of works backwards into history. And then uh, you have verse 53, which says, He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty, uh, reminding us of Moses and the nation of Israel in the wilderness, where after sending plagues to rich Egypt and then dispossessing them, of their riches, God fed the nation of Israel and protected them in the wilderness in their 40 years of wandering. And then verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel. Uh, Jacob, who was renamed Israel by God, and then God affirmed that his promise to Abraham and Isaac would continue through him. The verse continues, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Uh, the Abrahamic covenant when God established a people for himself. So Mary's looking all the way back into, uh, into the history of her people, all the way back to Abraham, and she can see God promised something to Abraham. God is faithful. He continued that promise with Jacob. God is faithful. That promise kept going with Moses and the entire nation coming out of Egypt. God is faithful. And then with David and the promise of the king from his line, God is faithful. And even up until present day where she gets to play a part in that amazing promise that God made so many centuries ago, God is faithful. And all of his promises are fulfilled in the Christ child who she's pregnant with. And then, verse 56, And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So Mary's rushing off to uh, be with her relative immediately after finding out she's going to have a baby. Uh, And then the three months she spent there tells us that she's about three months pregnant. And now she's coming home. And she's going to have a little baby bump and the cat is out of the bag, as they say. Um, the two Gospels that address um, the birth 
and of, of Christ are Luke and Matthew. And it really seems that this is probably the point where Matthew's gospel picks up the story. If we looked at uh, chapter 1 in Matthew and verse 18, uh, feel free to turn there. Um, I'll let you. <laughs> Got some page turners. So just the last half of that verse there, uh, Matthew writes, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Uh, never in either of these Gospels does it tell us that Elizabeth went to, or excuse me, Mary rather. It never tells us that Mary went to, uh, to Joseph and said, hey, I'm pregnant. Uh, it doesn't tell us that she sent a letter from Elizabeth's house to let him know what was going on. Um, we just have this where it says in Matthew, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So here's where uh, Joseph steps in. Uh, of course, this was very dangerous for Mary. Uh, she could have received capital punishment for being pregnant outside of marriage, and that would have stopped the whole thing. Of course, we know that this was not the case. Joseph took Mary as his wife. She lived, and the baby lived to be born, and not just to be born, but to live a perfect life and to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. We remember his sacrifice as a family this morning, as a family of believers, by taking communion together. And as we uh, contemplate uh, the partaking of communion, um, let our, let our prayer be, God, thank you for your faithfulness to provide a Savior. Thank you for the miracle of salvation through Christ who died for us. In his name, amen. Uh, if you're a non-believer, I would ask that you would not uh, join us in this holy sacrament. Uh, if you're right now in unrepentant sin, I s encourage you to repent. Uh, his grace is right there for you. Um, if you're already saved, even if you're in unrepentant sin, you're already forgiven. But um, we don't want to take the, the sacrament in an unworthy manner. So um, for the rest of us, um, in a few minutes, go ahead and, and grab the elements and we'll take them together. So how do we know, how do we know that uh, the salvation that came uh, is for all of us? How do we know that we have it? Um, Christ gave us uh, this, uh, this blessing of the sacrament to remind us. Uh, and on the, night, on the night he was betrayed, uh, he took bread, uh, he gave thanks, and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup. He said, this is a new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the child who came as promised. And not just that he came, but that he took away our sins, the task that we had no ability and still have no ability to do on our own. We thank you for his broken body and his shed blood because of what it means for our eternity with you, Father. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.